Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. You're not a new customer? You can experience the conference championship with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets on the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 178 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another, another Sunday, bloody Sunday. End of the week, beginning of the week, depending on when you're listening to this. How's everybody doing out there? Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, well, gang, what are we going to talk about today? Sunday afternoon, I'm looking out my window here, kind of sunny, finally some no snow. Um, yeah, I don't know, just kind of, just kind of hanging out. Well got a few things written down here got a list i got another list folks i'd like to thank you thank michael for sending that it is going to be the it's the top five toughest mighty ducks of all time 
I don't think we're talking about the Flying V Mighty Ducks. But, um, so I'm interested to seeing that list. As I always say with these lists, um, I do not click on the link. I want to discover these lists with you guys. So, uh, yeah, so when I open them up and I'm doing the list and reading them out, um, that is the first I am hearing of them as well. So I think the reaction is genuine at that point. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's more fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, as we do these lists all the time, I said, I always like the lists that are like actually kind of the shits because it's kind of just funnier that way. But, uh, yeah, we'll have a look at that. Um, also going to discuss, um, you know, how big and bad really was Derek Bugard? We'll look into that question. And uh, also, another list. Well, this was a voted on list. Um, but it is the uh, the uh, 1992 Best in the West Western Hockey League uh, poll. Voted on by the players and coaches of the Western Hockey League. Um, I always enjoy those, so we'll, we'll look at that as well. Um, but first, uh, well, we'll get into the sponsors. Of course, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. So check them out. Of course, they're bringing out, well, they're bringing content all the time because, of course, there's games all the time. So, uh, yeah. So if you're a fan of a certain team, check it out. Uh, for my off-network friends, of course, I've got uh, Code and Salem down there, uh, part-time Oli, Alec at Five for Fighting Podcast. Uh, just his last episode was the toughest fighters of every of the history of every okay let's take two let's try that again each t- each nhl team's all-time toughest fighter and he had a tremendous guest on for that episode it was me so maybe it was so we're i'm trying to I, i'm not only trying to sync this show i'm trying to sync other shows as well so but no i had a lot of fun on alex show and like i said it's been a while since i've actually been on that show and it was probably a good reason for that uh, but, uh, no, I had fun on there and, uh, always enjoy talking to Alec and, uh, yeah, it was fun to go down the list and, um, yeah, check it out. Five for fighting podcast. And if you, and if you're tired of listening to me, I really don't blame you. Um, uh, don't listen to that. Well, I shouldn't, Alec won't want me saying that, but check out his back catalog while you're there. Uh, Rob Ray, Bialois, Segroy, Yablonski. I mean, tremendous. Yeah. Excellent back catalog. Give it a listen. Alec does a great job. He also was branching out here. Oh, he's got his he's got his fingers in a number of pies. Uh, of course, he started up the Enforcer Appreciation Facebook group. Um, if you're on Facebook, I think the whole world's on Facebook, um, or at least were were was they were on Facebook? They was on Facebook. Yeah, they, no, they was on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, but everybody, I think, at some point had a Facebook. Um, a profile uh but anyway you sign up it uh it's the closest to the message boards as you're going to get these days in terms of uh, fight message boards you know and i mean yeah there's although i will say i've been a member of a number of fight groups of all the fight groups alex group is um the best run i think in terms of like not putting up with goofs and they're they're kind of run out of they're run out of town pretty fast so um yeah not you know there's always i mean it's not about if they disagree with you i mean that's the whole point of the board is to express your opinion and have a back and forth and a dialogue but and that's fun but uh the outright just dummies yeah no they don't last long so but yeah check it out people are always sharing pictures and uh, videos and all that type of thing and then of course he has his uh his uh youtube channel the five for fighting youtube channel 
Alec is the uh, season ticket holder of the Florida Everblades. So he has a lot of uh, ECHL content on his YouTube channel. And um, yeah, he's always putting up tilts and stuff. And uh, so if, if, if that's what you're, if you're into the, who is, um, I got, I got Facebook Messenger flying here in the background. I was asking some questions. I think I'm getting those answers to those questions. Uh, hold on. I got to put it on pause because I'm going to bring this up on this episode. <clears throat> okay. I got, uh, I just came back. I just got confirmation on something, a little typo, but we're good to go. Yeah. No, Alec. Uh, yeah. His, uh, Five for Fighting, uh, YouTube channel. Definitely, uh, subscribe to the channel. And, uh, yeah, definitely subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to get him to a thousand subscribers so he can, uh, monetize that thing. But, um, and then, live from New York, Broadway, Joe Lazito. Colonel Lazito. Jolton Joe, he's a busy dude. Um, he released an episode, the moving episode, or the moved in episode, maybe. Um, it is a solo episode. And, uh, yeah, Joe's a busy dude. I know right now he is trying to gather, um, or sort of get sound bites from different people, um, you know, talking about the, uh, the, the life of Clark Gillies. And, um, so I know he, he, he wants to, uh, or he doesn't want, he will, we will, um, be put, uh, doing a Clark Gillies, uh, tribute episode, which I'm really, um, look, well, I was gonna say, I'm looking forward to it. That sounds kind of a morbid thing, but you know what I mean? Um, but no, Joe's going to do that. And, uh, so, but of course, uh, you know, obviously that'll take time. And plus, uh, with Joe's work schedule, it's a little tough right now. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, um, definitely check out Joe's back catalog. It's, uh, Coliseum Chronicles, the podcast. Uh, it's a New York Islander based podcast. Um, he's had Fakoda, Bolton, Asham, Strudwig, um, all those guys on. Uh, great job. Um, Trevor Gillies, on and on. Tremendous back catalog. I definitely, Definitely worthwhile to check out, and uh, like I said, I know uh, you know it's just been a little tough, tough going here for Joe lately. Uh, between balancing, you know, obviously private life, work, and then uh, trying to sneak a podcast in now and again gets tough. Believe me, I know. And uh, so, um, you know, a little infrequent at the moment, but I know he's uh, he's on it, and uh, he'll be back at her. Right now, Joe is uh, he's working down at MSG, the most uh, well, the most iconic, most famous arena in the world. And there's Joe running, running the, down in the ticket booth. Well, right now he's probably sitting in the break room, eating his Chinese food from Dennis's place, and uh, just uh, just taking it all in. Probably a Ranger game on the TV. Yeah, you know, and he's he's yelling, "Go, Kreider, go," or Vessi. I don't know who the hell plays for the Rangers. Oh, Reeves. I know Reeves plays for the Rangers. There you go. Um, other than that, I don't know who plays for the Rangers, but. Uh, <laughs> Jolton Joel Lazito. Give her the Lazito. All right. Um, uh, well, guys, oh, like I said, it's uh, whew, one, eight, one o'clock on a Saturday. On Saturday and uh, how about we get into this? Into my rambling nonsense for the day. Um, all right. Well, where should we start first? Well, we'll start on this Bugard topic. This is kind of an interesting topic, and it's not so much. And it wasn't one that I raised. It was, um, uh, it, it was on the uh, Facebook group. Um, somebody had put up um, how good a, how good a fighter was Derek Bugard? Really? Question mark. Top twenty all time? Question mark. 
Um, and it, uh, it led to some interesting answers. Um, uh, you know, thankfully there wasn't, you know, too many, uh, idiots in the, in the replies. So, um, but, uh, one of the, the people that, uh, that was in the, was in the group talking about it was Mike Segroy. Um, you know, so anytime you can get, uh, players talking about it, especially ones that obviously that fought him, um, uh, uh, him and Mike fought three times that it, it, it obviously, um, you know, there's all, that's the ultimate level of knowledge right there when you can actually get someone that's fought him. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of, um, well, we'll just kind of go through the, the, some of the comments and then, um, you know, we'll summarize at the end here, but, um. Uh, well, oh, here's a destroyer, and then the other guy, um, intimidating fighter who anyone uh, would not want to fight. Uh, and of course, well, for a big guy, he couldn't take a punch. He had size. That's it. Probert and Coaster would have destroyed him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Pound for pound. Pound for pound. Stan Jonathan was the king. Mm, all right. Uh, Boogie was the toughest I ever saw. Him and Charo would be fun. No, it wouldn't. As soon as Bugard would start any offense, Charo would fall down. Stop with the Charo shit. Um, uh, top 20 is a really hard list to crack. Bugard was one of the toughest of all time to drop, and he lost it. Cannot, cannot put him in the top 20 all time. Too much head trauma. Super nice guy. At the I don't really know what head trauma has to do with... Okay. Uh, yeah, what are you talking about? Uh, last season, he beat McIntyre twice. He wasn't the beast, obviously. We all know why, sadly, but he was still doing his job very effectively. Yeah, he was. Um, McIntyre, top 20, question mark. He played 91 NHL games. Yeah, yeah well, okay, we'll summarize that at the end, too. Um, not about what he did near the end, but it was uh, what he could what he could and did do that was, uh, over time, overwhelmed and knocked out Knocked all comers into La La Land for a bit. Mm. Well, the one year he actually, the old five season, he really did. He had a, he went on a pretty good tear of knockouts in that year. Um, top ten as competition was in the elite enforcer eras that were decades before him. Great, but would like to see him against Probert and McSorley. Uh, and then here's Mike Segroy, top three ever. <clears throat> okay, Segroy. So, so he's close to guys like Probert, Brown, Twist, and Wilson in his on in his resume? Question mark. Hundred percent, Segroy says. Replies, uh, this guy, Mike Segroy. I agree. In a head-to-head across decades, he's elite. Eh, you can't go across decades, though. Um, his size and punch is hard to match. I'd play some top five. Though lists are so hard due to eras. Well, okay. So now you just clarified yourself. Yes, they are hard to do across. Uh, Wilson, who, who Tom? No, Ben Wilson. I'd say Ben Wilson. Okay, and then this guy. Uh, he kills Ben Wilson nine out of ten times. Uh, no, he wouldn't. He would best Will look at Wilson's fight versus Fatio. Okay, Nick tags him and he almost gets knocked out. Boogie was definitely a harder, harder, bigger puncher than Nick. You'd know how. Okay, uh, Brown like Fatio was a Golden Gloves boxer, so I don't know how much harder Bugard's punching than Nick Fatio. But okay, now Brown is an insane matchup as Dave's left was hard to match up, but he's. Was beaten by lesser guys. So on anyone, so or or Melnick McKay and so on. Anyone can beat anyone, but ninety four was was two. It's a very poorly written sentence, but okay. 
Um, and then Steve from Improvert was King. And I, of course, I've had Steve on this show many times. And I'm looking to have him on here shortly to talk about update us on the Drop the Gloves website, which, guys, is really coming along. Um, of course, um, I'm sure everybody listening here at one point went to the Drop Your Gloves website. And now I'm sure everyone listening at some point has bitched numerous times that that uh, Drop Your Gloves wasn't around anymore. Well, Steve took it upon himself to try to... Uh, well, he did a GoFundMe and everything else, um, and he's really trying to bring it back. And he's with a developer, and they're really they're really clicking along. And uh, I know the beginning few pages. I know they've made a lot of progress, and uh, the site is being built. I'll just let you guys know that. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention or you're not on the websites or whatever, the Drop Your Gloves website is getting rebuilt, and Steve is bringing it back. And uh, I'm going to have him on the show here, pro- hopefully on Wednesday's episode. I want to get him on to just uh, talk about where where he's at um, in terms of um, of the progression of the site, and uh, and, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from that. But uh, I always enjoy it when ProvertWasKing.com is his website. Steve, good good dude, great guy. I had him on here a number of times. Always enjoy talking to him. But really good, big, obviously passionate fight fan. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talk to him about the Drop Your Gloves site. But uh, and anyway, back to the Bugar topic here. He replied, I'd say top 20 all time, although his career was tragically cut short. He was, a, he was literally an elite fighter his entire NHL career. He was de facto champ prior to his passing. He had a rookie season like no one, none other. Uh, more TKOs and KOs than most fighters have in their entire careers. He was always just outside of La Rock and Brashear for a time, but once those guys were gone, he assumed the mantle of champ, ran the table against McGrath, and how many guys can claim that? The last time I made a list, I had him at 16. Um, so this guy replied, Mike Segura, serious question. Did you ever scrap with him in the minors or, or anywhere else? I remember how feared you, how feared you were in Wilkesbury. So obviously you can relate regardless. Um, yes, I fought him three times. Pure fight talent and danger. He is number one. Big Mac, number two. Probert LaRock and Twist, number three. Okay, uh, yeah, we'll all we'll summarize here at the end, like I said. Uh, and then, well, sure thing, pal, with the one guy writes. Um, I wouldn't say how good, but I will definitely say dangerous. So Segura replies, not sure what the difference is. If you're talking about the person that fighters thought would hurt them the most, it's Bugard, period, maybe Big Mac. And this guy replies, yeah, I said he's dangerous. He's not a good fighter. Top 20, not even close. Segura, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, Buddy, uh, I can't stand guys like this. Bud, buddy, champ, oh, fuck, it's just, ugh. Uh, buddy, if Bugard hits you, it's lights up. He's telling the guy that fought him three times. Okay, oh, these people. Um, if Bugard hits you, it's lights out. I get it. I can also name 20 guys who'd ruin him four out of five fights. Where? Okay, I could also name another 20 that destro- that destroyed him on his way to the show. Uh, yeah, on his way to the show. Uh so a junior like that, yeah, that's 17 is the same as 26. Okay. Uh, the boogeyman was a beast, no question. He's just not high up in the best hockey fighters before and after. Uh-huh. And this guy, Boogie, well, Segura just even just, I noticed Segura just stopped talking to this guy. Yeah, I don't blame him. Um, the boogeyman easily makes top 20, top 10 in my opinion. You know, he doesn't. The only he doesn't is by ranking fighters ahead who aren't in his weight class. Okay. No no disrespect to Boogeyman, but top 20, no way. Unfortunately, the drugs got in the way, and he lost that edge when, he, like he started out as a madman. Um, 
And then, oh, Boogie, not, no, yes, there's a bunch of no, yes. And then not as tough as the guy he fought in junior in the hat playing for PA. It's some D-man knocking cold with a single punch. Yes, because Junior's the same as the NHL. God, these people. And you're, who you're referring to, idiot, is uh, Grant McNeil. You know. Um, no, just big and slow. Slow, quite. I saw him many times, including his entire junior career. I know hockey. He fought and won when he connected. Top 20 of all time, not a chance. Well, I also followed his career and saw most of his fights with the Wild. He's not slow. There are many, many times he didn't. There weren't many times he didn't connect. We all have our opinions. Um, yeah, and then just blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, and then other guys know, and then not even close. And um, He dominated when he was in the NHL, but he was feared, and he was he was feared by lots. He was massive. Uh, LaRock dominated Bugard. Bugard was good, but lost a decent amount in that time. He didn't. Big punch were massive, but very beatable. When guys like LaRock lost, it was league news. Um not great, just huge. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, so, all right, yeah, we'll just get off of that. That's um, the, uh, so, I mean, overall, it was, well, I was going to say, actually, for a Facebook debate, it actually wasn't, uh, it, it, that actually wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, uh, well, now, like, obviously, as Mike Segroy is is obviously more qualified than anyone in that comment section, because um, having fought him, um, I again, I it, it definitely goes back to the era thing. You certainly can't you can't cross eras like I've always said with the whole Ovechkin Gretzky, blah blah blah, all that stuff. You really can't different equipment, different mindset, and and really the same thing goes into the fighting. Sorry, folks, stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Here we go. Cheers. There you go. Cheers. First in this hand. Okay. Crossing arrows. Like I said, you can't can't do it for the offensive guys and, and for the enforcers. Uh, you really can't either. I mean, I'm not trying to cop out and say, oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things. We're just fight fans talking. Obviously, grand scheme of things, who gives a shit? But, I mean, um, I, I look back in the, you know, in the, Seventies uh, and and eighties coming up. Um, those guys like Probert and all them. Um, they played a regular shift, um, even in the NHL. Um, Derek Bugard's era with him and Colt Nor, um, guys like that. Um, they were a nuclear weapon, Big Mac. Um, you know, they were a couple shifts a period guys. They were five minute a game guys. There's nothing wrong. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, that was just that was a mindset of the game at that time. Um, and it was just different. Um, I'm not for it or against it, whatever. That's just them's the facts. And, uh, so it was viewed different. So those guys were basically, um, again, for better, or for worse, however you want to look at it. Um, they were trained fighters on skates. Um, and that was it. And that was the thing. Like, that was the thing with Probert and those guys and, and, and LaRock, even LaRock and those guys. Um, they had to play a regular shift. You know, like Probert was on top lines. He wasn't on the fourth line. <clears throat> you know, so not only is he doing all this fighting, but he's playing 20 minutes. So, you know, the wind and everything, you know, it's just, it was just, it was a different mindset. And Baruby and Kimball, even those guys coming up in junior, they were 30 goal guys. Like John Cordick was a WHL all-star. Um, Even a guy like Twist, Bomber, those guys played regular shifts. They played D too. 
you know. Um, yeah, they got pigeonholed into the NHL, and yeah, Twist was starting to get it. He was sort of starting to get into that, you know, doesn't play much role. But he still did far more than, but he did more than um, than Colton Horn and guys like that. So it's, um, yeah, maybe he didn't in the NHL, but towards the end of his career, maybe not. But um, but in terms of like a Probert or Berube or Chris Simon or guys like that, um, a Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson was in an all-star game. Ben Wilson played a regular shift. Um, guys like Dave, uh, Dave Brown was a little selective, but even then, um, you know, um, you know, um, uh, well, Dave Brown, again, uh, I believe he had a 20 goal American hockey league season. He had a couple 10, 12 goal seasons with the Flyers. Um, you know, so not completely clueless with the black, little black thing rolling around out there. Um, again, I'm not claiming Brown wasn't a fourth line guy or a power forward or anything. I'm just saying, um, played with some regularity. You're, you're playing with some regularity to score 12 goals in the NHL in a season. So far more than what, like, like I said, uh, a Bugard or Colton Orr were playing. Um, again, I'm not knocking. That was the, that was the mindset of the day. Um, so these guys basically focused on fighting. Where I'm sure Pro Berube and them, you know, maybe did some boxing or hit a heavy bag now and again. But the training and all that, I mean, they weren't doing MMA. Well, there was no MMA back then. They weren't rolling, if you will. So it, it became a much more specialized position. Um, so that's why I really don't think you can compare eras, to be completely honest. Um, you know, and so, and I mean, Bugard was what, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, you know, well, Dave Brown was 6'5", Probert was 6'4". I mean, it wasn't like there would be that huge of a size difference, right? So, I mean, you know, that's, yeah. Like that's six, that's like six feet versus 6'3". It's not like that much of a thing, right? It's just, you know. Now, Domi versus Bugard's a whole other deal. But, I mean, Domi did fight Warrell too. So, um, you know, it did fine. But you know what I'm saying. Actually, I don't even know what I'm saying. No, but to get back to Mike uh, Segroy's points, um, again, I'm, a, I'm not going to sit here and argue with Mike Segroy because, I mean, that's how he felt, and he fought all those guys. Um, the only, I, I guess my, not my issue, but my point with Segroy would be, my counterpoint to that would be, okay, you have Boogie at one and Mac at two. Okay, you know, that's, hey, you fought him, you know, whatever. And then you say Probert, Twist, and Lever. Well, yeah, but you didn't fight those guys. So it's like, you know, so now you're just going on assumption. Just like, I mean, we're going, the rest of us, the fight fans, we're just assuming everything, whatever. I mean, um, but you know what I mean? Unless, I guess, unless you fought all of these guys, you, it's, you know, you're not a, you can't make a complete, um, I guess, factual statement on all of them. Um, you know what I'm saying? That's just my opinion. No, again, I'm not discrediting Mike Segroy at all. I mean, how... Who am I? I certainly can't do that. Um, but I guess um, just in terms, hey, just in terms of fight fans talking, would I have Bugard in the top twenty? Yeah, um, I, I probably wouldn't have him in mind just for the simple fact that um, there just a, there really wasn't a big enough sample size. Um, he had um, seventy career fights in the NHL, um, and that was the other thing. And I think. Let's go. Oh, he lost a lot in junior. Well, everyone lost in junior. Like it was just, that's called growing up. Like you know, you have to, you have to learn your craft. Like anything. Um, and I and I've known some guys that were completely dominant in junior that 
weren't very good at the pro level. But, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to start calling out names, but, you know, um, so that's because they could because they developed quicker. And at that age, they were more prepared, more in that mindset of fighting already. Whereas it took the rest of the guys kind of time to catch up. Well, I guess I can call out names. I'm not knocking them. But like Zach Storantini at one time was one of the toughest guys in the Ontario Hockey League. And rightfully so. It was a, it was a reputation well earned, and he was. Um, but again, he didn't have that success at the, at the NHL level. A Ben Eager, who was very good in the OHL. The same thing. Um, I mean... Oh, I'm trying to think of the Western Hockey League. Uh, you know, I, I why am I drawing a blank? I do this all the time. Oh, well, a perfect example is um, the Best in the West poll. Uh, as I was, I was going to, uh, Brendan Witt was number one. So from the players, he was voted the toughest fighter in the league at that time. Well, was Brendan, and Brendan Witt played a long time in the NHL. Was he the best fighter in the NHL then? Well, no, he wasn't even, he wouldn't have been a top 10 guy ever in the NHL. Granted, he didn't fight that much in the NHL, but you know what I'm saying? He was a player, but you, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't, oh, in junior, he was great. So he's great in the NHL. No, it doesn't work that way. At the same time, there was guys that were late developing and then like, like a, a, a John Morasti certainly got better after junior and turn pro and everything you know what I mean because you just got older you got better at it and what have you I mean that was just I, the reason I use him is I'm staring up at my as I'm staring out my window and at my computer desk I have a morasty bobblehead so I'm staring right at it that's why his name came to my head but um but you know what I'm saying like there was uh yeah some guys just developed early and what have you and some guys that obviously it took time um and with Bugard, it took time. Like I said, I've seen his junior fights. I have those. And yeah, for a while there, he took some lumps. And um, yeah, and he was just, he was a big kid and was just learning his way. And then, uh, you know, by the time he got to Medicine Hat, pretty solid year in Medicine Hat. Then he played the the season in the East Coast League there with Louisiana. Really got his feet under him as a 20-year-old, um, playing pro for the first time. Pretty much... I don't remember him losing that year in Louisiana. He pretty much stormed through everybody. And then a couple seasons in Houston. And again, uh, you know, he got he got beat a couple times in the American League. Kip Brennan, uh, Pete Vandermeer got him. Um, but again, 21-22, he's learning. Um, and then that first rookie year, as Steve alluded to uh, in his post with the Wild, yeah, I think he had six or seven knockouts. Um, or TKOs or whatever you want to call them. Dropping guys. And... Uh, and away we go. And uh, but yeah, he had. Some, but again, he had some. He had some tough losses to Larock, uh, Belak, um, Eric Goddard. Um, so he certainly didn't. It wasn't like he was undefeated in the NHL either. Won far more than he lost, of course. But uh, um, I think the problem, though, is like you said. I just looked it up. Yeah, he had a. Uh, what were the numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, he had 130, including junior and and. Before the NH- American League and East Coast, he had 139 career fights. So I mean, that's that's more than just think of that that's 139 fights before you've even made the NHL. So I mean, he's already beat up by the time he like he gets the NHL at 23. I mean, he's already taken the 139, you know. And um, and I mean, everybody know. I mean, I'm not talking like no one knows. I mean, he already had the head trauma. Basically, going into the NHL at that, you know, was already probably feeling effects of it. Um, uh, so, you know, and you you couple that with I know he had the shoulder issues, and he obviously gets put on the pain pills, which of course 
that would probably numb your scent, like probably dull your skills, numb your senses. So he's already, and like somebody had mentioned that he, with the Raiders, he'd really slowed down and, um, yeah, because he's fighting through injuries and fighting through shoulder issues. And that was, and you know, and, and unfortunately he died at 28. So, which is sort of into the, I would say the prime of a fighter, be, you know, that 26 to 25, 26, 27, those type of years normally are the guy's primes. And, uh, and at that point for Bugard, he's, he's has major shoulder issues and a pain pill problem and head trauma. So he's already, I don't want to say he's on the decline, but I mean, he's already sort of at that peak where he's already fighting through all these injuries. He's certainly not at whatever peak power level. We'll put it that way. So, which is, a, and, and he was still being very successful. I'm not saying he was, at that point he sucked and he was losing because he wasn't. So, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm basically, I'm just sort of clarifying my position where, you know, I say he's got 70 career fights and he was, that to me, that's not enough. And he was whatever, but um, it's 70 career fights. But, and again, I, I think a lot of them, we didn't see him at his best either, which is a scary thought. Like he, as good as he was, and I'm no denying that. And I, per, same, I'm saying the same thing. As good as he was, I don't think we ever saw uh, that rookie Bugard. That 0506 Bugard, I think, was the best Bugard we saw because I think that's probably when he was at his physical peak, knowing what we know now. And look what we said: where he had five, six, seven knockdowns, Gillies and Brookbank and those guys. And I mean, you know, um, yeah. So, and, you know, so that that's scary to think about too. So, um, so I, I guess that we're, we'll circle back here to what I was talking about. Um, uh, well, uh, well, and then the other point I was going to make with that, these guys, like, oh, I could name five, that would wreck him. Like, I hate when people talk like that. It's like, you sound so stupid. Like Probert, like, I always say with Probert, like, I love Bob Probert, he's my favorite guy, whatever, but who did Probert wreck? Like, I know people love to throw this term around, oh, he was so feared, everyone was scared of Probert. Who was scared of Probert? No, I'm sure there was guys that, you know, they, you know, they didn't really want to fight him. But, I mean, Probert didn't really drop people. He wasn't known as a power puncher. Now, he got a couple guys. But, I mean, in terms of, like, a twist, Koser, that type, or Bugard, was he, he didn't have that level of power. He was a, he was a distance, he was a guy that, you know, he's like the Terminator, right? You're going to keep hitting him, he's going to keep coming. He's going to eventually just wear you down. Yeah, like, like what's the kind of the saying? He'll, he's going to drag you out to the deep water and then take over. Smother you and then that's it, right? Overwhelm you with kind of some punches and the fight's over. But, I mean, I don't think you're you're spending the night in the hospital or anything. No, I'm not saying Probert hit like a pussy because, no, he didn't. But he's not a KO guy. He's not a power guy. So this idea that Probert's wrecking anybody is like, n- no. Like, okay. Like I'll, I'll I'll go right now and say I know Laurent not having fought I'm like, I'm just completely throwing this out there, but I would definitely put Laroque and Bugard and then punching power ahead of Proberts. Like seriously, like I, again, I'm not saying this to knock Probert. It was a different. He everyone has different styles and whatever, but I don't think anybody was fearing Probert's punching power. To be completely, like, if we're being completely honest about things, I mean, really? Maybe I'm up my ass. I mean, those listening, if you have a, if you want to argue with this, please put the, put the, your comp, or your, um, your replies in the, in the show, in the show posts. You know, I'd love to hear, hear from you. Like, 
Am I seriously? Am I up my ass? Like, like I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. Um, it was. It was again a different style. Um, but yeah. So these guys that oh you'd wreck them. You know, what are you talking about? Like, oh, and I I could name what was it half a dozen guys that would oh you, no you can't who who is gonna and this idea that he was just big and didn't have a chin. Well, you know. Yeah, he, I mean, he got caught a couple times. Everyone gets caught. But, I mean, I don't know about Bugard not having a chin. I don't know where that comes from. Now, if, if you go and watch all oh, his fucking Prince George Cougars footage, okay, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that was also, we're talking 10 years later. So, um, I, I guess that's a fortunate product of the message boards. And like I said, there's always got to be someone with the with the um, exaggeration and I, I don't know if they're if they say it to kind of prove like to me you're not proving your point you're actually kind of minimizing your point because now you just you appear ridiculous like as soon as you say oh he'd get he'd wreck them I've stopped reading at that point because you've lost me because it's like okay well you're you're just obvious I don't know if it's if, if it's to well I guess it worked at that in that sense if it's to draw the ire or criticism or to spark the debate well then i guess it worked you got me so fuck me i guess but you know just in terms of the i don't know that's sort of just why it's just embarrassing to read um so no i don't think anybody's ending him um but yeah guys i i guess i just wanted to bring the topic up and just say, you know that was out there and and i enjoyed reading the replies and uh, i always it's always cool when the player i wish more players would chime in um, I know, uh, Mike does, Segroy does quite a bit, um, on different topics and just, you know, his two cents or whatever. And, and that's cool. I, I wish, like I said, I wish more players would do that. I always enjoy when I put up a picture or a video and, and the guys, the ex players chime in, especially if they kind of, Oh, I remember the time in, you know, in, in Memphis when this happened, you know, and then it's like, and then they share this kind of little antidotal story or whatever. But I mean, to me, that's cool. I mean, that's, you know, kind of that in the inside baseball shit that we don't get. Right. So, um, you know, I like when they do that and I wish more guys would do that. Um, but, um, so thank you, Mike, for chiming in on that. But, uh, yeah, um, I just wanted to share that, give you guys as you're driving here on your commute or uh, sitting at work, listening to this, something to think about was, a, was Bugard top 20 mm. in mine? No. Um, well, no, I take that back. Top 10 for me. No. Uh, uh, cause I, I think we never saw the, the best of Mike or Mike, the best of Derek Bugard. We never saw it. Um, we saw a glimpse of it. It was like the shooting star, right? Um, like we saw that rookie year in Minnesota when he's dominant and dropping a cup, like half a dozen guys. And then that was, then we saw like, then, then it was, became the shoulder issue hooked on the pain pill kind of, you know, fighting through things guy. Still, still good, tough and dominant, and I mean, could beat anybody at any time. But I, I don't think he ever matched that rookie year. So, um, I with Bugard for myself, it's more what if. It's kind of a real what if thing for me. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. What's yours? I'd love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, Derek Bugard, top twenty of all time? Question mark. Let me know. Um. Yeah, guys. Uh, the other thing I wanted to I wanted to talk about was, uh, of course, my the uh, the old Western Hockey League list: the best in the East, the best in the West. Um, if anybody's listened to this show for any 
uh, amount of time, you know um, that I've done these lists. It's uh, back in the day from 19, uh, was it 86? 86 to 05, I believe. Um, the Regina paper, and later on I found out it was the Victoria paper. Um, they would, they'd split up the Western Hockey League in the Western Division and the Eastern Division. That's why it's best in West, best in East, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's split up. So it's only f- through those divisions that we're talking about. It's not through the entire league. Um, but what the Regina Leader Post and what the Victoria paper would do would, they'd send, um, yeah, a questionnaire to all, to all the teams in those divisions. And it, and it was a vote. Toughest player, best defenseman, hardest shot, most active, most underrated, top referee, top coach, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, the players and the coaches voted. You were not, the one caveat was you were not allowed to vote uh, for guys in your own team. So, uh, which was which was cool because now you're getting a real honest. And like I said, it's coming from the players and the coaches, so you're coming from the most uh, knowledgeable of places. Now I'm sure a couple guys, oh, I like you know, we're, I'm buddies with him or whatever, so they voted for their friend. I'm, obviously, that would happen. But in terms of the actual, I would say legitimacy of. I mean, any poll is going to be subject to some some sort of favoritism in some sort of way. But at the same time, with these polls coming from a players and a coaches, um, it, it's definitely going to be the mo- more accurate than anything that the media or the fans could do. Because, like I said, we only know so much, right? We're not out there with these guys, whereas obviously the players are. So this is a much more telling, I think, um, um, type of uh, list than what a fan or the media could put together. So, so this is for 1992. The uh, best in the West, so that Portland, Spokane, Seattle, Tri-City, uh, Victoria at the time, uh, Kamloops, uh, and Tacoma, which would later become the Kelowna Rockets, but at the time they were the Tacoma Rockets. So, um, the toughest player, and see, I will say, and I, I say this all the time when I do these lists, and I don't know why I did it this way, I don't know why I didn't go in order. I went all over the place with these. So, and I, like I said, at 178 episodes, I don't know if I've done these before. I know I'm pretty much, I think I've pretty much covered the, all of these. So I might have done this list before. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. I'm kind of going because I have the, the actual newspaper printout here, not printout, but sent to me. And, uh, I'm, just, I'm trying to remember, like, cause there's pictures. They have little pictures on each one. So I'm trying to, I'm like, I don't think I've seen these pictures before. So, that's the only way I can remember. I don't remember after 178 episodes and all these damn lists that I've done over the years. The last two years, I can't remember if I've done this. It would have been a lot of help. I would have been, I could have done myself a lot of, a lot more good if I had just gone in order. But, um, unfortunately I didn't. So for the diehards that have listened to many of my episodes, pardon me, um, if I have done this already. But, uh, it's, it, uh, for those just tuning in, it's new to you, right? So this is a whole new list. So no one, no one's heard this before. Let's just go with that. But, uh, so the 1992 best in the West. Um, number one from the Victoria Cougars, uh, Jerry St. Cyr, Gary St. Cyr. Uh, yeah, well, there you go. Um, I believe he was, uh, he's married to Manila Marioma at one time. But of course, he he went around the, in the lower minors and played some roller hockey and all that stuff. But uh, he actually put up like 400 minutes and was like, I think he was Victoria's like leading scorer that year too. Um, so he was number one. Oh, John Baduk from Portland, number two. Um, actually, uh, Saint Cyr only had one more vote than Baduk. Uh, followed closely. Actually, this is a really close. The top four was all really close. Well, actually, the the guys in third tied. 
So we have St. Cyr at number one, Baduke at number two. Of course, Baduke went on to have a you know, real legendary minor league career. In fact, his number is retired by the Syracuse Crunch. Um, the number three lengthy NHL career, Turner Stevenson in Seattle. And he tied with Dodie Wood, who also spent time in the, uh, in the NHL, of course, with San Jose. Um, and again, legendary minor league career. I mean, every, everyone listening knows who, everyone listening out there knows who Turner Stevenson and Dodie Wood is. Dodie Wood are, um, Turner Stevenson was a, was a first round pick by the Montreal Canadiens and a real power forward in Seattle, like 30 goal, 200 minute guy. Um, big dude, a uh, couple, I, I think he won a couple cups with New Jersey. Well, he won one for sure, but I think it was a couple. Um, uh, you know, outstanding NHL career. Uh, then, uh, after that with Brent Thurston with Victoria, I believe he was in Spokane at one time as well. Uh, yeah, he was because I think he was involved in that famous brawl in the Memorial Cup, um, the year before. Uh, so Brent Thurston, mm, Steve Connawalchuk. I don't really. Steve Connawalchuk, the guy for Washington, ended up, it was a big pick by the Washington Capitals, played there for a while. Um, well, okay. Well, I will say in this category, it's the toughest player. I know in the best of the East, I've never noticed this in the West ones before, but I know in the best of the East for sure, it's his best fighter. I don't know at this point if they're trying to be like, even in 1992, politically correct and just called it the toughest player. Um, cause then that would, you know, like that would mean hitting and just grinding it out and that type of thing because I don't remember Steve Connor Walchuk as a fighter, but okay. Uh, after that, uh, hmm, Corey Dawsdall in Tri Cities. I remember actually Dawsdall when he played, uh, with the Regina Pats, they'd always come to Saskatoon. He was, um, yeah, he was a lippy little shit. He was kind of a, a Barnaby type guy, kind of ratty. He wasn't a bad player, but like he'd stick you and stuff. And I don't know how great of a fighter he was, but uh, yeah, he was kind of a Barnaby esque type uh, personality. Um, and then following following him, well, the listeners know Paxton Schulte for the Spokane Chiefs. Of course, uh, played a couple years in the American League and then went over to Europe and played in Belfast. Um, so the UK listeners will remember Paxton, solid player, really solid player, had a great, uh, you know, minor league pro, minor pro career. Um, yeah. After that, Glenn Webster, um, he was in Brandon. Um, I believe it was Kent Staniforth really talked about, uh, Glenn Webster a lot. I mean, he played, uh, junior in the Alberta league too. And Staniforth had a, had a lot to say about him. Um, not a lot, I didn't, like, I can't say too much about him. Um, in fact, um, I mean, I'm sure I've seen a couple of his fights, but, um, again, we're also talking about there wasn't like footage back then either. Not a lot of footage. So, um, but, and then, uh, Kale Hulse in Portland. Well, that's one guy I did see. And of course he actually had a lengthy NHL career as well. Um, I'm surprised he's actually that low on the list. Cause I have some, I have a lot of the Portland footage from those two, the two years that he played. Um, and he was a dominant fighter. Kale Hulse is a bad dude, left-handed and he pummeled guys. And I believe in 93, the next year after this, he was number one guy in the best in the West Pole. But he was a bad dude. Him and Brett Symes, or Brett, pardon me, Brad Symes, um, were dominant in Portland. Yeah, Portland, a tough team, man. They had Symes and Hulse and Paduke. And, um, yeah. Uh, after that, Jason Bowen, Tri-Cities. Again, high Philadelphia Flyer draft pick. Uh, played in Europe as well. Um Played a few games in Philly, um, never really panned out in terms of the draft pick, but big, huge D-man, tough guy, 
then Dave McMillan of the Tacoma Rockets, Justin Hawking, Spokane. Again, another fairly high NHL pick. Didn't really pan out. I don't even know if he actually played any regular season NHL games. If he did, they were minimal. But he played, he bounced around the minors for a while. Um, yeah, see, and then they got Daryl Sador on this list. Like, Sador couldn't fight. So, um, then, oh, Chris Hawes. Ah, there's a name for the folks out there. Uh, Victoria Cougars, a local guy. I believe he was a bouncer. Um, he, he, uh, he briefly came to Saskatoon and played for the Blades for like 15, 20 games while Rhett Trombley was sort of being, I think Trombley got sent to Junior A for, uh, I don't want to say conditioning, but it was more of a, well, it was conditioning, but it was also sort of a, um, punishment. Um, so they brought in this, this, uh, this cat, Chris Hawes. He's a big dude, shaved head, like, and, uh, yeah. But uh, he, there, I have a couple of his fights on my YouTube channel. And then uh, Chris Murray, Kamloops. Uh, Chris Rowland of Portland. Rob Lalisher of Kamloops. Yeah, so there you go, rounding it out. But uh, yeah, uh, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't, yeah, the whole uh, Steve Connell Walchuk, Daryl Sador thing really kind of baffles me. Um, well, and then it's funny on this list, uh, most valuable to the team, Connell Walchuk's number one. So it's like, yeah, like he was a really, he was just, a, he was a solid player. Like here, hold on. I got to pause this thing. I got to go look up Steve Connell Walchuk's stats. This is kind of bugging me. Yeah. Like a hundred points. Like he had 95 points the one year and a hundred the next, uh, in the Western league. He had 95 PIMS. Um, but I'm just trying to think of all my fight DVD. Not that I have a ton of early nineties Western hockey league footage just because there isn't any out there really. But I have some, and I do not... There might have been a Connell Walt. I'm not saying he never fought. He might have fought here and there. But to be to be put on a top 10 fighter list in the West, it's like... Yeah, so clearly they're they're viewing it different. Maybe they're... Just, like, and like I said, Daryl Sador, like... How many times did he really fight? Like, I'm just like, Connell Walchuk fought nine times in 700 NHL games. So it's not like all of a sudden he was goon of the century in the Western League. So um, he had a great NHL career. Like, played 700 games and what have you. But... Yeah, so this list, so now I know I don't think I've ever done this list because this Connor Walchuk thing would have bugged me and I don't ever remember reading off Steve Connor Walchuk's name on any list before. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get where they're going with the Connor Walchuk and the Sador thing. But again, it's voted on by the players. So I don't know how they didn't have a, they don't have it, um, listed out in terms of how they're, how they're viewing the toughest air quotes player. So, I mean, obviously they're talking about grinding and hitting and the complete package. Cause it wouldn't be, but if you're talking about straight fighters, Connor Walchuk and Sador are not in that conversation. And I don't think the players would put them in that conversation. Um, you know, yeah. Like Chris Murray and these guys below Steve Connor Walchuk and Daryl Sador, like, come on. So, um, anyway, interesting list. Um, it's like I said, it, it's always cool to kind of go back and, and, and read that sort of thing. I mean, I find it cool. Maybe the people, li- maybe you guys listening are just like, oh my God, this is boring as shit. Or maybe, well, I guess the people that thought it was boring as shit are gone now. So it's just me and a couple me and four people. But for those of you who decide to stick around, um, the, the mighty ducks list. Oh folks, the famous lists. Okay, this was sent to me again by Michael. Thank you very much. Anaheim Ducks, top five all-time enforcers from PucksofAFeather.com. That's pretty funny, actually, PucksofAFeather.com. I like it. Um, okay, Anaheim Ducks, top five enforcers in franchise history. Number five, Tim Jackman. All right. Um, traded to the Ducks in 2013. Jackman's tenure saw 
him mostly play on the fourth line. Jack was never known for his scoring prowess, but he always something he tried to focus on. In an interview with the LA Times, Jacklin said he embraced the idea of fighting as the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team who drafted him back in 01, wanted him to. He, he never fought in college, but I, I didn't... Hmm. I didn't... Well, I've never bothered... I mean, I know who Tim Jackman is. I've seen his fights. I like Tim Jackman. I liked him when he was at the Flames and stuff. Um, I guess I just never bothered to look into his career. I didn't know he was a college guy. Um... If in order to stay in the league, that's what he had to do. And Jackman's three stints with Anaheim and San Diego, the now 36-year-old right winger totaled 11 points in 152 minutes, one of Jackman's most notable goals. See, like, you're talking about enforcers. Why are you talking about notable goals? Um, oh, okay. Jackman scrapped many of the same players. The list includes notable fighters, Tostito, Matt Martin, Clifford, and the MVP himself, John Scott. Um, yeah, I mean... Again, th- this list, I, I, you have to scroll and then I gotta hit the next one. So, I don't know who's on this list, guys. So, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know how much more I can offer about Tim Jackman. I liked him. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I mean, I'm trying to think back on Anna Grimson and Ewan and Peros and all these guys. Um, um, okay. I, I guess Jackman. I never, I, I wish in this article they would, I mean, I guess I could quickly look it up, but I mean, um, yeah, okay. For the sake of this, I am going to go look it up. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, yeah, he had 16 fights with the Ducks. Um, you know, tough guy. England, Thornton, Scott, Aperos. Um, okay. I, I don't know. It's the 16 fights get you on a list nowadays. Now, granted, Anaheim hasn't been around that long. So, it's not like we're talking, oh, it's a guy with 16 fights that played for the Flyers or something. Um, so, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess we'll see how the rest of this list pans out. Uh, number four. We got a tie. Uh, Jared Bowl and Todd Fedorik. Um, we have a dual entry at number four. I put these two together because they both do similar things in the short time at the club. Both Fedorik and Bowl were primarily assigned to be the team's muscle and protect the smaller, more vulnerable players. Well, that's what the article's about, the top five enforcers, so why are you clarifying it? Okay. Additionally, both had varying degrees of success, but did what they were paid to do quite often. Jared Bowl, did you guys see this one coming? Well, if not, you should have. Uh, Bowl signed at the start of the 2016 season after nine years in Columbus, uh, primarily a fourth liner against team. Uh, Bowl frequently had bouts against crosstime rivals McDermott and Kyle Clifford, um, McLeod, England, Peros, and Jansen, to name a few. Scored four points in 61 games over two seasons with Anaheim. Sadly, many Bowl, Bowl retired this summer due to back issues. I didn't realize that's why Bull retired was back. Was it back issues? He played a long time. I mean, I was a fan of Jared Bull. I liked him. Um, okay. Then Todd Fedorik. Uh, Fedorik was traded to Anaheim from Philly after playing seven years there. 86 games Anaheim over two seasons. Uh, he'd accumulate 210 minutes. Fedorik dropped the gloves with LaRock, Brad May, Peros, and Bugard on a fairly consistent basis. Um, <laughs> the night he took Bugard was... Uh, his most notable fight in a duck sweater took place in October. That night he took on Derek Bugard and sustained a brutal facial injury after falling to the ice as a result of a KO punch. Well, uh, during reconstruction surgery, he had titanium plates put in his face to repair the damage caused by the fight. Uh, Fedora was traded back to Philly later that season. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. We're going to make a top five uh, tough guys list. If we talk about the one that, uh, the guy on your list that got dropped. <laughs> All right, whatever. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, Fedoric, after he kind of he left Philly, I mean, yeah, like I said, you, t- you take uh, facial injuries like that, and as soon as you start putting screws and everything in your face, obviously you're not the same guy after that. Um, Fedoric's first few years in Philly, he was really strong. Um, um, but after, you know, like I said, he, he took some, uh, some some real bad KOs, and his face took a, uh, yeah, a real beating. Um, so, yeah, obviously he kind of, his his career kind of went sideways after that but uh for the first little while Fedoric was a, a, a real force um but yeah I mean he had the big knot you know the in MSG when or got him when he was at Philly at that point but um yeah it's he took some tough shots for sure I mean I'm a big fridge fan I liked him but phew, yeah but wide open guy right you grab in the middle of the jersey and swing and stick your chin out, and it's great for video and for fans to watch. But you're, you know, you're gonna have, um, you're gonna be eating some, and he did, unfortunately. And Jared Bull, same thing. Um, big guy, bigger guy, uh, played in Columbus forever, a captain. Um, you know, was he the greatest fighter? Yeah, no, but I mean, he'd get. I mean, he's playing now. He'd be King Kong now, but I mean, um, but yeah. Excellent fight card fought everybody. I mean, I'm down with Jared Bull. I know when when Alec and I did the uh, the toughest guy in each team, um, that was debated. It was him or like I picked Jer- Jody Shelley, but it was like for Columbus. But uh, it was I said it was between him and Bull were the were the two guys. So no, I'm a big Jared Bull fan. Okay, I get it. I get it. He's on the list. All right, number three, Stu Grimson. That's interesting. Well, Stu's number three because uh, I took Stu as number one in my Anaheim pick, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, of course, Grimson had two stints with Anaheim. Um, I mean, number three, the Grim Reaper himself. Grimson's most of a long standing rival with Bob Probert. Uh, made a name for himself as one of the toughest guys in the league of the 90s. Uh, Grimson served as one of the original alternate captains of the inaugural Mighty Ducks team. Uh, 231 games the organization. He would finish with 13. Why do you keep talking about the points? It gives a shit. 13 points, but he earned his money with 580 minutes. Uh, aside from Probert, Grimson also fought guys like LaRock, Van and Bush, Oliwan, and Toski on a consistent basis. Um, forced to retire due to post-concussion syndrome. Grimson has since gone on and earned himself a law degree and currently works as a TV analyst for the Predators. Um, yeah, I mean, what is there to say? I mean, everybody listening knows Stu. I mean, what is there to say about Stu Grimson? Um, he was my number one mighty duck. Um, yeah, uh, always dangerous. Once Stu, I think once Stu left, uh, like he got kind of, you know, again, you're a young guy, you start with Chicago. Um, you know, had great fights with the Blackhawks. Um, but he was, you know, growing into the role, right? Developing, getting older, learning it. Um, outstanding. What did he fight pro like 13 times? Um, Dave Brown, all those guys. I mean, yeah, well, I don't have to, people this time have to sell you on Grimson, but, um, yeah, by the time he got to Anaheim, uh, okay. So that would be, no, who's number two? <laughs> Click. Tremendous. Tremendous. Oh, all right. Again, wasn't the toughest. We're going back to the Western Hockey League, the toughest, and we got Sador and all these guys involved. No, this one, the title of your article is the top five Anaheim Mighty Ducks Enforcers. Thank you, Michael, for sending this. Now I know why you sent it. Tremendous. Uh, so your your top five enforcers is the name of your title. So number two on this list, Chris Pronger. 
Oh, tremendous. Coming in at number two, we have former captain Chris Pronger. I added Pronger to the list solely because of his physicality as a player and the reputation he built as someone to be feared on the ice, despite a total of three fights to his name in his time as a Ducks player. Uh, Pronger was always a guy to slowly push the boundaries to see what he could get away with. Yeah, he was a dirty prick that never fought. Um, makes sense. Who, who, who's going to want to go after a guy who's 6'6", 220? Uh, I'm not here to glorify playing against the grain and, and really push the rules, but not many players can say they were suspended twice in one postseason. Demonstrates how a player of his stature can really do some physical damage. No, it just means if you're a star, you can get away with shit. Um, not much of a surprise. It was one of the things he was known for throughout his career. He had trouble adding him to the list because when you think in force, you think of players who fight and that's it. Well, that's sort of the rules. There were, that's sort of the, the name, uh, the name would sort of indicate that. Changes in the NHL game show, show how Pronger's style of play is starting to become a new norm for today's enforcers. Mm. Yeah, so the video they show is Cleary versus Pronger. Uh, it's not so much being able to just hold your your own in a fight anymore. It's being able to hold your own in all aspects of your game with some tenacity. Well, yeah, but, I mean, yes, that's today's player. But, um, again, the list is the top five enforcers. So you're taxing the very de- definition of the word enforcer uh, with your description of Pronger here. Um, no, I mean, obviously a Hall of Fame player, tremendous defenseman, complete dirt ball, dirty, couldn't fight worth a shit. I don't care if he was 6'6", he can't fight. Um, and he should not be anywhere near a top enforcer list because he was not an enforcer. Clearly, when you play four years or whatever and you have three fights, you're not an enforcer. Although nowadays you might be. If he was playing in 2021, they would consider him a enforcer. People would be talking about him and Chara as the two big fighters in the league probably. Um, but no, Chris, no, no, just no. Well, who's number number one? Hit next. No surprise. Oh, well, I think I'm going to be surprised because he had Pronger at two. Who's number one? Click. George Peros. Well... Hmm. Okay, let's read here. Uh, George Peros is currently in, not in the good grace of Ducks fans in his role as NHL head of the Department of Player Safety. The stash is still an important piece of Ducks history and will never be forgotten as part of the 07 championship team. Uh, Peros did one thing, and that was fighting. Peros took on just about everyone that would drop the gloves with him, some with frequently uh, Colt Nora, Hortichuk, Bugard, Bissonette, Bull. Anaheim was the only stop was the only stop in Peros's career where he stayed more than one season. So the vast majority of his fights were in a duck sweater, unlike other entries on the list. Peros finished his tenure in Anaheim with almost 30 points in 356 games. Um, on the opposite side of the coin, Peros totaled 812 penalty minutes during his six seasons with the team. Um, Peros is number one because when I think Anaheim Ducks and Forces, he's always the first to come to mind. The fact that he's been able to start a very successful business based around the code, oh God, and the ethics of being a violent gentleman show how much the role means to him, or just how he doesn't get the role, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say, I'll be completely honest. Um, again, again, folks, as I, I keep, re- I don't know why I keep reiterating this, but I didn't read this list ahead of time, so... Like I said, the the when I click on it and get these guys' names, it's not like, oh, I have all his fights punctured, punched up, and I can I break them all down because I obviously haven't had time to do that because I just found out the name. Um, I gotta admit, Peros is one of those guys, and I guess it's because it's in the late two thousands. Um, I I just wasn't I wasn't paying attention to hockey at that time. 
And uh, like I said, anything past really like two te- 2010, not really. I mean, I know who he is, obviously, and I've seen his fights, some of them. Um, do I? I don't have a. I haven't gone down the George Peros rabbit hole and watched all of his fights. Um, I've seen a fair bit. Um, to be completely honest, I don't mean this as a knock. I was never really a Peros guy. Um, and he's a big dude, big guy. His fight card is really good, tremendous. I'll give him that. He fought everybody. I'm not. Can't take anything away from him. Um, yeah, he just, uh, maybe that's something I'll do after doing this list. Um, one of these nights I'll have to sit down and just kind of, you know, go through a YouTube search of Peros and just kind of, kind of watch some of those fights. Um, yeah, I mean, I would put like in terms of a head to head thing, I would take Grimson over Peros. Um, I believe Alec and I mentioned Peros's name in the Anaheim conversation. Um, yeah, he's in the conversation. For myself, um, I believe for Alex as well, but um, we didn't pick him. I, I took Stu because, like I said, in a head-to-head fight, I would have Stu over George. Um, yeah, well, there you go. A really interesting list. Really, We really took a hard right there when, when uh, Pronger's name came up. But, uh, I mean, I, I, well, I mean, I wasn't really arguing with any of the names, uh, well, until Pronger, so... But that's the beauty of the lists. Everyone uh, does them different, clearly. And uh, there we have it. There is your list of the top five uh, uh, Anaheim Ducks enforcers. Um, George Peros at number one. There we go. Well, there we go, folks. That's a uh, well. That's uh, that. There's the show. Um, yeah, we had uh, uh, kind of an interesting little little talk about Boogie and. Uh, uh, the best of the West Pole and the Anaheim. We got a few surprise names in there, and uh, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of interesting. Here on a sit back on a Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, there there we go. Um, one last thing um, before we go, and I, I'm going to bring it up. Um, this is completely unrelated to anything I'm talking about, and this was uh, I was not prompted by any of this. I just saw it come up, and this is this is Darren talking. This is no one else talking. Um, I have noticed that good old former minor league fighter and uh, UK and LNAH and bounced around all over the minors. Uh, Jason Clark has uh, popped up and he is appearing on a podcast here shortly. Old Clark the Narc. Um, ask the boys in Fort Worth about that. Um, yeah, and I know a little bit of history of Jason Clark. This is, like I said, this is completely unrelated. And I'm not going to mention the person's name, but he is a friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, way back when, Jason Clark ripped him off for $500. Literally stole $500 from him on a transaction that they were supposed to do uh, for a jersey that Clark never sent and uh, just took the money. So I have zero respect for Jason Clark. You're a thief. And I know he's not on social media, or maybe he is. I've never seen him on social media. I haven't actively sought him out. Um, But I remember hearing my friend tell me that story way back when. And and it was a name I haven't thought of for a long time until I see him pop up on this show. And now, um, I'm not going to say the podcast, and I'm not blaming the pod, the pod, how would he know about this story? I'm not, has not, that's why I'm not mentioning the podcast. It has nothing to do with him. Um, he doesn't know about this. Um, I'm just saying that if anybody listening in the sound of my voice is listening to me and you happen to know Jason Clark, uh, tell him he's a piece of shit and, uh, yeah. And maybe, uh, don't steal money from people. 
And we're not, and 500 bucks. Yeah, from a young guy at the time. That's embarrassing. So, uh, yeah, I have zero respect for Jason Clark. And I, like I said, it's a name I haven't thought of in a long time until it popped up on my social media feed here. And, uh, yeah. And I heard that story, and it's a pretty gross story. And, uh, yeah, until he pays my friend the $500. And, I mean, this is 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. But, nonetheless, you stole money. And uh, and we're not talking, oh, it was a little, oh, we were 14 back in the day and whatever. No, you were a grown man. And, uh, you're like, you were 30-some years old, and you did that. And uh, that's gross. And... Uh, and I have heard of players taking advantage of fans before, uh, especially minor league stuff and whatever. And it's always, um, it's just actually really pathetic. And, uh, yeah, the fact that you would steal from my friend, uh, I don't like you. I've never met you, but I don't like you. And, uh, if anybody listening knows him, maybe tell him, hey, I mean, he'll know, unless he's ripped off other people. Ah, who knows? Someone willing to do that probably he's ripped off a bunch of people. But maybe mention it to him. You ever going to pay that guy his money? Give him his money back? Maybe somebody mentioned it to old Clark the Narc. So, I hate to end on that note, but hey. You stole from my friend, so fuck you. Alright, that is it for today. So please, if anybody knows Jason Clark, pass that message on for me, if you could please. Thank you. And again, I'm not indicting the, the, the show that's having him on, because like I said, the host knows nothing about this. He does. Why would he know anything about this? So no, this is squarely on Jason Clark. He knows exactly what he did. And uh, yeah, uh, how do you do that to people? Really? Bush League, man. Anyway, let's get out of here, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please check me out on social media on Facebook and Riles Twitter. Hey, and J- Jason Clark, if you got something to say and you're on social media, come find me. Let me know. But uh, I'm not hard to find. So uh, tell me I'm wrong. And if, hey, and if you are and you pay the money back or what have you, I will publicly apologize all over social media and on this show. Bet you you won't, though. But uh, yes. Other than that, follow me on YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Have over 2,600 fights on there. Subscribe to the channel so you don't miss a single punch. And uh, definitely go down that rabbit hole. I have all the fights sorted, any league you're looking for. Other than that, um, if you're, whatever uh, platform you're listening to this, uh, Spotify, iTunes, what have you, if you could rate and review my show, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, it would help me out in the searches. Please download my episode. That helps me out. That's how Darren gets paid, folks. See, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll tell you straight up. That's how I get paid, by the download. So if you could download it, I would greatly appreciate it. Streaming it does nothing for me. And I need the money. <laughs> I don't need it that bad. But I do appreciate it, though. But in all honesty, it helps with the analytics, too. And you just see who's listening and what have. You can tell what's working, what's not working, etc. What region, all that type of thing. It's good for the, the analytic numbers. You know how I like those. But, uh, no, guys, that's it for now. And uh, I'll be back on Wednesday to talk to you some more. All right. Thanks, everybody. Let's have a good weekend. Well, I hope everybody had a good weekend. Let's have a good week. All right. Here we go. Have a good day.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 